If you have your Westover app, I invite you to join me right now. And if you don't and you want to join us in the scripture, we're in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start a series this month entitled, Repeat the Sounding Joy. And this week, I want to talk about one thought in particular, and I'm picking it up right out of that Christmas carol. And that is, Sounding Joy. Do you know that joy has a sound? Sometimes it's a sound of clapping, sometimes it's a sound of glee, the sound of cheers, the sound of laughter, the sound of celebration. Sometimes there's even a sound of surprise, this wonderful surprise and awe that people will express. Joy has a sound. There's another Christmas carol I want to pick up and bring to you and has a statement. And it's this. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear. There's some of us we don't hear the sound of joy. There's some of us the joy celebration is not in our heart right now. It was Oscar Hammerstein that said, if it's not a it's not a bell until you ring it, it's not a song until you sing it. However, it was Albert Einstein that said, the moon is there whether you see it or not. So if we take Albert Einstein's statement, we could argue against what Oscar Hammerstein said. And that is, there is a song, whether you sing it or not. And I want to suggest in every one of our hearts, there is a God song. There is a sounding joy, but some of us are not singing it. Some of us don't hear it. Some of us are not cognizant of it right now. The sound of joy is eluding you. Perhaps it's circumstances right now. Perhaps it's a dilemma. Perhaps it's just been you've gone through life and you've had other interests and other priorities and you don't hear the sound of joy. You know music? Music, they tell us, stimulates nearly every part of the brain. That's why, that's why people love music so much. They can unplug from the stresses and the distresses of life. But people with white wires in their ears or the white buds and they're in their own zone, and they're escaping everything in life. Why? Because music stimulates. There's a part of the brain where rhythm, there's a part of the brain that stimulates for the melody. There's a part of the brain that when you hear the, the words, it, it conjures images and imagination, and the, the music just seems to uh, connect with all parts and engages all parts of the brain, so we're, we're able to escape. And God wired you and I that way. God wired us that, that music gives us that escape. So I ask you again, do you hear what I hear? You know, you can actually learn better and faster and more memorable uh, if you put it by song or a jingle. That's why uh, advertisers want to put everything they want to tell you by, by a, a, a little jingle or a song. Many of us learn the ABCs by singing ABCD, and sometimes you're thinking, okay, where's Q come? Is it before or after? And you're thinking, and you have to go ABCDEFG, you have to remember that. You know what I'm talking about? Because if you ever learn it by song, it sticks with you. Now, for just a moment, and this is found in Genesis chapter 1. Don't turn there. I'm just going to reference it. In Genesis chapter 1, we have the account of creation. God made the heavens and the earth. God made everything, the seed creature, God made everything. 
And then the Bible tells us that on the sixth day, God created Adam and Eve. Now, God created humans, you and I, God created Adam and Eve with five senses. Of the five senses, one of them is hearing. Do you know that Scripture actually tells us which of the five senses God activated or stimulated first? As soon as Adam was created, the first of the five senses that God stimulated or activated, it was the sense of hearing. Genesis 1.28 says, And God said to Adam, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. You see, hearing, hearing is that one sense that the first one that God activated in Adam. Now let's fast forward a couple chapters in the Bible. We find ourselves in Genesis chapter number 3. It's the account of, of sin coming into our world and our society. Adam and Eve, God says, you can take of all the fruit, but there's one tree you don't take of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know the story. Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit and sin entered. Separation. There was was destruction and death and sorrow that entered into the human family. And it's found in Genesis chapter number 3. Now, in that condition, after they have sinned, The Bible tells us that that Adam and Eve were ashamed because their eyes were open. And they were in the shadows hiding, kind of in the shadows from God because they realized that they were unclothed and they were ashamed and guilt, their conscience was, was stirred and pricked. And the Bible says that God came to the garden. Verse number 10 of chapter 3, it says, and... And Adam told God, I heard you in the garden. Did you ever notice that? I heard you in the garden. Now the question is, God is spirit. So what did Adam and Eve hear? God does not have a human body like I have. They did not hear footprints. There was not the rustling of greenery. It was not footprints. That Adam heard. But the Bible says that Adam knew God was there. He heard him. So the question is, what did Adam hear? Hmm. What did he hear? Hebrew scholars tell us the word for heard in verse number 10 of chapter number 3 That word in the Hebrew has the same sense of the making of music. God's footsteps were not heard. So what was it that Adam said, I heard God in the garden? Could it be? Could it be that God was humming? Could it be God was whistling? Could it be that God was singing a song? Evidently so, because he, Adam did not hear footprints. What Adam heard, some scholars believe, was literally he heard the song of God as it came, as he came into the garden. So my question is again, do you hear what I hear? Today, do you hear the sounding joy? In your life right now, do you you hear that? Are you able to hear the voice, the whisper of God in your spirit? Can you see the goodness of God? Do you hear what I hear? 
Some of us, some of us, it's an unfamiliar tune. Yeah, have you ever heard something you just didn't know what it, you didn't recognize the song? Well, some of us were there. We, we, by life or our upbringing or our experiences in life, the sound of joy, the sound of God's song is an unfamiliar song. People talk about spiritual things and you don't get it, you don't grasp it, you don't quite understand it. So it's that unfamiliar song. For some of us, it's background music. As it were, it's the white noise in the background of your life because your life has gone on and you've been successful and you've been busy and active and there are the accolades and the success that you're able to see in your life and, and you've done so well. But in the background, God's song has been there. The, the sound of joy has been there. But it's so much in the background, you can't hear it because of the drum beat and the noise and the clamor of all the activity of life. But for a few of us, for a few of us, the sounding joy is on our playlist. We would testify today that it's God's song that we hear. It's God's song that brings meaning and significance in our life. And I'm here to invite you to hear the sounding joy. Some of us don't hear it in a few moments. There's going to be an altar response and a prayer moment. And I'm going to invite you and give you the opportunity to hear the sounding joy. Perhaps you've been tone deaf to God. Perhaps God is speaking and you can't see it. You think it's a coincidence or you think it's just an emotional moment or you think it's just, just a warm fuzzy you felt inside. But God has been speaking and the sound of God, the song of God has been around you, but you have not really focused in on it. I'm going to give you that opportunity in a moment. As we look into this thought, I'm going to invite you to go with me in the Gospel of Luke chapter number 2. In Luke chapter 2, verse number 8 and following, is the account of the shepherds in which the angel came to them to announce to them the birth of Jesus, the Savior. And we're going to focus in today on this setting. There's a phrase in the verse that I want you to notice as we read through it, and that is, there is jo great joy for all people. We're talking about the sounding of joy. Verse number 8 and following, let's read. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be your sign. You will find the babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Right in this setting, we have the account. The angels come to the shepherd and said, I'm going to bring you good news that's going to cause great joy for all people. And there's one thought I want to deposit in your heart today. There's one thought I want to build on, and it's this. God operates before we cooperate. God in your life operates before you cooperate. I can say that of everyone here today. 
in your life, recognize it or not, God operates before you cooperate. And, and the verses in the story, the account here, I want you to notice something in Luke chapter 2. The Bible says the shepherds were living out in the field. Did you notice it did not say they were working out in the field? Did you ever recognize that before? They weren't working in the field. They were living in the field. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us exactly what we understand. In fact, it's in the, in the, in the uh, uh, Christmas carol, Noel, Noel, the, and it says, and the poor shepherds. Did you ever notice that phrase in the chorus? The poor shepherds. You see, the shepherds were on the bottom of the social scale. You know, life in, in the Holy Land at that particular time was very austere, even in Bethlehem. It was a meager village of probably maybe four to 700 people. And it, it, it was not the best living conditions, but down from that, further down the social scale, were the shepherds. The shepherds were the day labor, not speaking derogatory, just explaining kind of relating it to our day. They were, they were the homeless, if you please. They were the day laborers of that day. The shepherds were illiterate. They could not read and write. They were living out in the field. They had the smell of animal all over them. They didn't enjoy even the meager pleasantries of being in the village. They lived out in the field. And the Bible says they were keeping watch over their flock by night. They were working the graveyard shift. They were working the night shift here. They're on the bottom of the social scale. And the Bible says that when the angel came to them, they were terrified. And the angel says, don't be terrified. I've got great news of great joy that will be for all people. You know, sometimes, sometimes we can misread God. Sometimes God works in our life and we don't see it. Be careful that you assign in your emotions a conclusion that God has not assigned. Sometimes we can say, well, where was God in this moment? God seemed to not be there. God seemed to not show up. God seemed to not care. God seemed to not be interested in me at that particular time. I want you to be very careful with that because sometimes we can inject emotions that are not the real story. And the Bible says they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Now, what is significant about this, moreover, is the Bible says they are out in the field living. The shepherds were not seeking God. The shepherds were not reading Scripture. The shepherds were not praying. The shepherds were not looking at the Old Testament scrolls. They were not reading the Bible in any fashion. They were going about their business attending to things. And at this particular time, I can tell you they were, they were not really conscious and aware of God at this particular moment. In fact, the Bible says twice in the text, verse number 9 and verse number 14, it says, and the glory of the Lord was around them. Did you ever notice that in the text twice, the word glory? Glory is an Old Testament word that relates to the temple. The glory was always in the temple. You would go to the temple and the prophet says, and the glory of the Lord would fill the temple. But here, interesting enough, it says twice, and the glory of the Lord was around the shepherds who were out in the field at night. What does it mean? It means the shepherds were not looking for God. The shepherds were not in the temple. 
The shepherds probably couldn't get access to the temple, but the resident of the temple came to them. When they couldn't get to God, God came to them. And I believe the reason this story is deposited in the birth story of Jesus is to remind us God is not on the sidelines. God will get involved even when you're not interested in him being involved. The shepherds were not looking for God. God was reaching out and looking for them and speaking to them. God was extending his heart to the shepherds. And God was operating before they were cooperating. Hence my point. Now, in the area for just... Stay with me. Stay with me. In the area of theology, when you read Scripture and you study how God works. In the area of theology, we put all of the activity and all the workings of God in the Bible as well in your life. They fall in one of two categories. We refer to the subsequent activity of God and the prevenient activity of God. I'll explain them to you. The first one, the subsequent activity of God. In other words, God works subsequent as a result responding to something we do. That's what the Bible tells us. Absolutely. You've experienced this in your life. James chapter 4. If you will draw nigh to God, guess what? God will come near you. Subsequent to you reaching out to God, God will reach out to you. Romans chapter number 10. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, subsequent to that, God will save them. That's correct. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 13. God will be found to everyone that seeks him. Subsequent, if you will seek God, he will be found. That's throughout the Bible. In fact, we often have this phrase. It's not in the Bible, but we refer to it. God helps those who help themselves. You said that. You maybe have heard somebody. And that's, that's true. God, if you will make a move to God, if you will open a door, God will walk through it. If you will open your heart, you will call on the name of the Lord. If you will pray, if you'll open your heart, subsequent to you open a door, God will come in your life and God will do something. That's taught in the Bible and our own experience reaffirms that. However, however, there is another activity of God that we refer to in theology as the prevenient activity of God. What does prevenient mean? It means pre, prevenient beforehand. Pre, P-R-E, prevenient. God is intervening beforehand. Prevenient. Before you call upon him, before you ask God, before you pray, before we open the door, God intervenes ahead of time. God, yes, at times, he works in the subsequent. But God also works in the prevenient. An example of that in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. This is the one verse when I explain Westover's mission statement to people, I always quote. We have making new, making great. Anytime I unpack and explain the second part of our mission statement, making great, 
that God has for you a making great life, that God has for you a purpose, that God wants to do something miraculous, wonderful, stupendous with your life. God has a purpose that's better than you can imagine, more than you can ask or think, and we call that making great at Westover. And anytime I explain that, I always go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, which says, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Let's continue the verse. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. Have you ever noticed that last phrase? He prepared in advance. That is the prevenient activity and moving of God. Before you call upon him, before you're interested in God, before you take time for God, God is working, God is reaching out, God is speaking, God is bringing you to himself, God is awakening faith. Let me put it this way. God is sounding the sound of joy before you ever sing it. The shepherds did not call upon God. They were not seeking God. So God came to them in the prevenient activity of God. And there are times in our lives we don't even see it. We don't even recognize it. But God is working and he is preparing in advance because God knows that we have highs and God knows that we have lows. God knows there are moments we hit rock bottom. He didn't cause it. He didn't create it. He didn't cause you to stumble. God didn't want you to fall, but God knew there was going to be a moment in your life you would hit rock bottom. So in the prevenient grace of God, He prepared in advance for you at that moment that you would have His grace, His provision. He has a song prepared for you no matter what you're going through in life. Let me put it this way. Today, today in everyone's heart, God is composing the song you need to sing tomorrow. <laughs> Isn't that good news? Yes! God knows what's going to happen six months from now and a year from now. And God is composing the song that you're going to sing then. You may think everything's fine. Then something slams in your pathway. And you're going to hear the sound of joy when it occurs. Because God has prepared in advance for you. Have you ever made this statement? If I knew then what I know now. Oh, I would have changed my career. If I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have bought that. I wouldn't have, don't apply it to your spouse, okay? That's not, a, that's, not, that's not an application I want you to make, okay? But we've all said that. If I knew then what I know now, may I suggest to you, God knows now what you're going to need then. And every future then of your life, and every future setback, and every future dilemma, and every future issue of life, God knows now what you need then. And God has prepared the song 
for you to sing, and today your life needs to be remastered. Remastered. You need the master to come in. You need God to step in and God to remind you and God to do something special in your life. For anyone that you have a son or daughter not serving the Lord, grandson, granddaughter, a spouse, you're in church today, you're praying for them. Maybe they've turned from the Lord. Maybe they've spent the last few months or the last few years running from God. I want you to know they don't have to call upon God for God to come to them. Oh, He will the moment they call, but God in His provenient working. Right now, He is speaking to them. He's putting people and the conversation around them. God is going to expose them to circumstances and people and coincidences and messages. And they may try to run from God, but they can't hide. They're going to hear the hint of the sound of joy. It's going to come back to them time and time again. And when they call upon the Lord subsequent to that, God is going to step in and do great things in their life. The prevenient activity of God my wife, Denise. Oh, she loves certain television shows. She likes cooking shows. I, I, I don't like cooking shows. She, I said, babe, don't, don't watch it. Practice it. Just get in the kitchen. And I mean, that's really, I want to smell. I don't want to watch it. I want to smell it in your kitchen, okay? There's another show my wife likes. I've watched it a time or two. I just can't watch it anymore. I, I just don't, I don't care for it. Maybe good, you may enjoy it. My wife likes the, sh the, the television show Fixer Upper. Oh, she was, she was watching it here just the other day. Do you know? Do you know it's no longer syndicated? That's right. They're no longer, Chip and Joanne are no longer doing that. So all the shows Denise is watching a fixer-upper, they're all reruns. Would you please tell Denise that they've already been fixed, those houses? <laughs> we don't need to watch that anymore. Now we can watch something I want to watch because those houses have already been fixed. I wonder if that's us. I wonder if we're stewing over something. I wonder if we've lost sleep over it. I wonder if we're discouraged over something God has already fixed. Oh, oh, and it's prevenient. And it's prevenient activity. That God has already deposited a solution. God already has the, the solution, the, the cure for us. God's already put it together right now. And we just, not, we just not have not discovered yet that God has solved the problem. Hmm. We're going to go in prayer in a moment. But I want to tell you about Westover if I can for a moment. Denise and I, we've had the privilege of pastoring this church for 32 years. We planted this church 32 years ago. What an honor. What an honor to pastor such wonderful, loving people. You guys, you're just so gracious. We have been, we just, we just enjoy pastoring this church. And, and I, I think back of all that God's done. I think about what's happened in people's lives because, because of this little ministry called Westover Hills. 
what God's done. How, how did we come to plant a church in, in San Antonio? Well, I need to back up and tell you. It's, it started in New Mexico. Denise and I were, we were born and raised in New Mexico. That's our home. We've never been to Texas before. And we were, we were in New Mexico. And at age 15, I came to know the Lord as my Savior. And I went to my pastor. And I told my pastor, God's done something in my life. And I felt like there was a call in my life to ministry. I told my pastor in New Mexico, I feel like I'm to spend the rest of my life in ministry. And, and I don't know what to do. And my pastor, my pastor, he said, you need to go to Bible school. Well, pastor, where do I go? I don't know. I don't know anything about any Bible schools. Where do I go? He was from Texas. He said, I went to a Bible college in San Antonio, Texas. Why don't you go there? Wow. It's good enough for my pastor. It's good enough for me. So Denise and I made plans, and we moved to San Antonio. We went to Bible school, graduated. Shortly thereafter, God put a stirring in our heart to plant a church here in San Antonio. And that's how Westover Hills came about. Oh, I've had the privilege of <laughs> baptizing people in water. When I baptize people in water, I hear stories like this, and they just encourage my heart. Pastor, I was saved two months ago. Now I'm following the Lord in water baptism. Pastor, I was saved at a Christmas program a year ago. Now I'm following the Lord in water baptism. Pastor, God put our marriage together. We were out of church. We came, and God reconnected and restored our heart. We were, we were not even living. We were living together, not even married, and and, and we started coming to church at Westover, and God dealt with us about our, our lifestyle and our sin, and we abandoned it. We want to get married, and, and we want to serve the Lord. And my heart rejoices. There are stories like that all over this room. It reminds me of Vicki. Spoke to her just the other day. She's a divorcee. She was going through a challenging surgery brain surgery and my how God has restored her she said to me just the other day pastor I'm growing in the Lord I'm I'm connected what God has done how God has changed my life thank you pastor for Westover and I was thinking all the stories all the stories of what Westover has done how did it start Again. Imagine with me for a moment. Imagine for a moment. You know where it started? Because my pastor lived here. And God, in his prevenient working, put a burden on his heart to go pastor a church in New Mexico. He left his family to go pastor a church in New Mexico because God knew there'd be a teenage boy. God would save him and the Lord would turn his life around and call him into the ministry and my pastor would give him advice 
go to San Antonio and go to that Bible college. And he would come and build a church. Can I suggest to you your story, how God has encouraged your heart through Westover? How God has blessed you, how God has done something in your life through Westover. It began some 50 years ago. In God's prevenient working, when my pastor went to New Mexico, God saw you on that Sunday. God saw you in that service. And he knew where the church would be and needed to be. And God was working in his activity before you even were thought of, before your situation came. God was looking out for you because he wanted to do something in your life. And because of that, this church was here at the right moment for you. Someone has said, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footstep in the sea and he rides upon the storm. Deep and unfathomable minds of never feeling skill. He treasures up his bright designs and he works his sovereign will. So judge not the Lord by feeble sins, but trust him for his grace. For behind a frowning providence, God hides a smiling face. Yes. Behind the dilemma, behind the challenge, at the crossroads, God is there. The sound of joy, the song of joy is being sung. You see, God dispatched angels to the lowest class in that world, to the shepherds living out in the field, because everyone needed to be included. They weren't seeking God, but God was seeking them. You see, God's been seeking you. The sound of joy may be unfamiliar to you right now. The sound of joy, that song of joy may be background noise in your life. But God is awakening faith. And God is bringing you to a point of making that decision. In just a moment, I'm going to lead you in prayer. If you want to know Christ as your Savior, you want to have the song of joy in your heart, you want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do so today. Perhaps there's been an awakening and a stirring and a realization in the last few weeks or months that something in the spiritual area of your life has just been warming up. That's God preparing you for this moment. And I'm going to invite you to know Jesus. So across this auditorium, no one moving right now. This is an altar moment. Balcony and main floor. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? And let's, let's just go before the Lord. This is a private moment, a personal audience with the Holy Spirit. God speaking to your heart. And I ask the question again. 
that's been awakening in our hearts. And if you want to make the faith commitment to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do that today. You can make that decision that will change your life. I made it at age 14, and God changed my life. And God can do the same for you. And if you're ready to do that on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Has nothing to do with this church. Has nothing to do with me. Has everything to do with what Jesus wants for you. You see, the Bible says it's a personal decision. You may have been baptized as a child. You may have been raised in church. But it's a personal decision that you make in your heart for Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And if you're ready to make that step today, I'm going to invite you everyone that raised your hand you're on the main floor if you feel comfortable while heads are bowed if you just feel comfortable I'm going to invite you to just step forward right here right now and I'm going to lead you in a prayer just stand up and walk right down here in the front of the altar I'd like to personally lead you in this prayer moment if you're in the balcony if you're in the balcony I'm just going to invite you if you feel comfortable you raised your hand just to stand so I can identify you. I can I can do better eye contact with you that way. You, would you? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just stand for a moment, and I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Just, just stand. Just join. those that are standing here and those in the balcony the good thing about God is you don't have to fully understand it for God to work in your life I didn't understand it all but God doesn't require understanding he requires this faith and simply asking and God has made the pathway to himself very clear as clear as A, B, C. A, acknowledge that you need God. When your hand went up, you satisfied A. You're saying, I acknowledge I need God. You're already there. B, B, believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only Son. That's a requirement. And I'm convinced you're already there at B. You've acknowledged your need of God, and you believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only Son. 
last moment seen. And the scripture tells us in Romans chapter number 10, whoever confesses Jesus as Lord and Savior become, they become God's child. And confession means simply this, I repent and turn to God. Does that mean I have to list everything I've done wrong? No, God's not auditing. God's just saying, turn your life over to Him. And He'll do that for you. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There's no formula. The prayer is a prayer from the heart. So in the balcony, those that are standing and here in the front, you pray a prayer similar to the one I'm praying. It comes from honesty in your heart. Then God's going to do something. In the moment I'm done with the prayer, I'm going to have prayer team ready to hand you something. Prayer team, if you'll get ready, balcony and main floor, we have something we just want to place in your hand. And I'm going to pray with you now. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I join these wonderful people who've come to this moment and they want to hear the sound of joy. They're saying, God, I want you to come into my life. And they're praying that now in their own way and in their own heart. They're calling on the name of the Lord. They acknowledge they need God and they believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only son. And now we confess <laughs> and I join in. God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm, I've failed. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. That's not a requirement. What you require, Lord, is honesty and repentance. And God, forgive us of our sin. Forgive us, God, of our neglect and our inhibitions, our, our, our failures, all the wrong we do, our resistance, our pride. God, forgive us of our sin. We invite Jesus to come into our heart. We invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And we confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. While we fully don't grasp all the significance of that, we want to know this day, on this weekend, this service, there was a moment in which we prayed, repented, and invited Jesus into our do so right now and now God I pray over them I pray over those in the balcony and those that are standing right here that they'll have the same experience God that I had at age 14 when I just said Jesus I need you and I don't know what to do and God you 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 lovingly came into my heart oh yes I struggled Oh, yes, I, I, I still had issues to work out, but I settled the issue of Jesus being my Lord at that moment. And they're doing the same here. And I speak blessing and goodness upon them. I speak your favor. And in this prayer, God, right now, I welcome them into the family of God. They're a new person in Christ Jesus. They're having a making new moment. A making new moment in Jesus, right?
please, prayer team? Prayer team, would you distribute the materials to them? I want to thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Go in the goodness of the Lord.